Amen. Our scripture this morning comes out of the book of James, James chapter 1, verses, verse 27, just one verse uh, this morning. If you would stand, if you are in person, for the reading of God's Word as Jim comes to read our scripture for us. Again, James chapter 1, verse 27. Pure and undefiled religion in the sight of our God and Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained by the world. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you bow with me? Breathe on me, breath of God. Fill me with life anew that I may love what Thou dost love and do what Thou wouldst do. Breathe on us, breath of God, until our hearts are pure, until with Thee we will one will to do and to endure. Amen. You may be seated. We want you to hear from Nikolai Smirnoff, our last, um, our last missionary that we support around the world. Hello, I am Pastor Nikolai, Methodist Church from the southeast of Ukraine in Donetsk region. Send you her greetings in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise the Lord for everything and thanks to you. Dear First United Methodist Church in Oklahoma City, for your prayer and financial support. It's a blessing to know that we have a strong and experienced shoulder being here in Ukraine. In short, about our ministries. We have music classes for adult and children, English club, mixed group, skiffle hands for children, feeding the hungry once in a week, visiting and helping two old ladies and one big family, and beat venom therapy in summer period. So total numbers of people involved in church activity is about 60 people. And I want to finish my word with three John words too. Dear friends, I pray that you may enjoy good health and that all may go well with you, even as your soul is getting along well. God bless you.
I, I went to a church when I was in seminary. I attended one time at a church when I was in seminary, and it was an astounding experience for me. Now, I, I, I shockingly, to, to many of you, especially to those of you who are in a choir, I actually took a vocal class when I was in seminary. If you were in choir with me, you, that may be absolutely shocking, shocking to you. But I, I took a vocal class when I was in seminary because I knew that very likely I'd be appointed to a, a very small rural church. And I've, I've, I've been a part of those churches and know that uh, musicians and singers are, are quite rare. And so I was anticipating that I would likely have to lead uh, maybe a choir, maybe, maybe even, God help them, the singing on Sunday morning. And by the way, that actually did happen in, mon- in one of my first churches that I pastored. And so, uh, so I, I, I enrolled in a vocal music class. Um, the professor was a wonderful professor, uh, but I was the only student that was not getting their Master of Arts in music performance. And so these were uh, typically, the other students were typically uh, directors of music ministries, normally in larger churches in, uh, in a new, nearby community. And I was the only one that was not a Master of Arts, uh, pursuing a Master of Arts in, in music performance. And so there I was, the odd man out. And at the end of the, at, actually even at the end of the semester, we even had a, had a concert of, and it was everyone who was in the class performed a song. Fortunately, uh, the professor had uh, such mercy on me, and she did not make me or the other students endure my singing in front of everyone else. However, at the end of the semester, at the end of the semester that semester, she announced or she told me that she was going to be performing at a Christmas concert in an Episcopal church in, in a neighboring large, well, it was a relatively large city. And so um, my wife and I were near the end of seminary, and we were as absolutely broke as broke could be. We had a, an 11-month-old daughter at that time, or I guess a, a, almost a two-year-old daughter at that time, I guess. And um, we decided that we would, we would leave our daughter Morgan with some babysitters, and we would go out on the town, the big town, one evening and go to this go to this Christmas concert. It was astounding. It was astounding when we when we showed up at that church. I'd never been in a I'd never been in a church like this. Oh, I'd been I'd been to a couple large churches, but I had never been to a to a downtown incredibly traditional church in a in a relatively large city. And so we showed up, and, and I mean, it, it, was a, it was a gorgeous facility. They had a bell tower that absolutely stood out among the skyscrapers downtown in that mid-sized city. They, they were, um, there, were, there were stained glass that was, that was absolutely complex and gorgeous all at the, at the same time. There were, in the ceiling, there were hand-hewn uh, wood wood banisters and, and, and wood, wood planks that, that had been there for over 150 years. There was, a, there was a marble floor in that sanctuary. There were pews that creaked, that creaked just enough. You know, you know the kind? I mean, they creaked just enough to give you some sort of age, of, uh, a feeling of age, but also were quiet enough. And then, and then the performance started. The performance started. It, it seemed like it was, 
It was pretty good. The, the clergy walked in in the most incredible vestments that I had ever seen. Really, the only vestments I had ever seen really were, was a robe every once in a while. But here, they were in some religious garb. I mean, there was a lot of religious garb. There was a lot of pomp and circumstance when it came to the liturgy. Now, we, we weren't handed a bulletin, and so we were completely lost in the entire liturgy. We think, I think that they were speaking English. We couldn't quite tell. The echo was so, so loud in that sanctuary. And then they came to the music. The concert was absolutely, was absolutely gorgeous, but there were a few things missing. There were a few things missing. I, I felt very disconnected throughout, throughout the service. Again, there was a lot of liturgy. We were lost. The songs were um, mostly in, uh, I think, French or Italian. I'm not even sure what language those songs were in. So on the, on the uh, it, was, it really was a beautiful evening, however, a, a wonderful concert. On the way out, on the way out, I, I, picked up, I picked up some pamphlets. That's what preachers do, by the way, when we attend other churches. We pick up all the pamphlets that we can, that we can find so that we can know what other churches are doing. And so as I returned home that evening and as we, were, we got in bed and I broke out those pamphlets and started, started looking through those pamphlets, I began to realize all of the pamphlets were about their building, all of them. I mean, there, there was one whole pamphlet that was all about their stained glass and how old it was and how beautiful it was and how it had been put together, how it had been repaired over the years, and even a call, even a call to give money to help continue to upkeep that stained glass. There was, a, there was another pamphlet that was all about, all about their, their denomination and, and what their denomination was doing, and there was a call to, uh, to receive money to support the, the hierarchy of that denomination. There was a, there was a call even in another, in another pamphlet that talked about their history, and they wanted to make sure that they had a presence in that downtown community, and they wanted a, a good-looking church, and so there was a call to give money to their church. There was, I mean, it struck me that evening that there was no mention of their, of their mission. There was no mention of, of what they were about. There was no mention of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I was struck. It was all about their, their building, their stained glass, and the beauty of their sanctuary, which indeed was, they were all very beautiful. Today we're continuing our sermon series dealing with the book of James. James is a, is a description of faith in the flesh. Faith lived out. There was a segment of the early church that, a large segment in the earliest church at the time when James wrote this uh, general epistle, uh, he, he, he said that his epistle was to the, to the 12 scattered tribes of the Judaism, or really, I, I, I interpret that, and, and many, other, many others interpret that to be, they were, they were Jewish Christians. They were scattered all over the Roman world, and and uh, they were struggling with a number of different. They were struggling with a number of different issues, and one of those issues was that um, because of this newfound freedom that they had found in Jesus Christ, and because of I think probably uh, uh, maybe carrying 
Paul's teachings a little bit too far. There were some in the early church that said we are under no obligation to live life differently because now we're a follower of Jesus Christ. Some in the early church were saying what, to be honest, some modern Christians say is that I am a follower of Jesus Christ. I know I've been saved by His grace. I, I prayed a prayer, a sinner's prayer at an altar rail one, one time, maybe many even decades ago. And because of that, I'm in. I've got fire insurance. I don't have to do anything else for the rest of my life. And then there are some in our culture, inside and outside the church, who would say, you know, it really doesn't matter what you do, you don't need, I mean, it doesn't matter whether you, it really doesn't matter whether you attend church. It really doesn't matter um, whether you're a person of prayer. It really doesn't, it really doesn't matter. As long as you're kind of a, just a good person, it's all good. If you, if you say that you're a Christian, by the way, which upwards of 90% of Americans say that they are Christians, if you say that you're a Christian, well, then who can argue with that? But James said something different. James had some powerful words about what it is to live out this faith, this faith lived out in the flesh. I'm not a huge fan of the word religion. I was, I was raised by my parents to have some real questions about that word religion and to be religious. They taught us, and I thank, I, I thank God for that, they taught us that our faith is not a religion. Because religion is simply something outward that you do, simply something, some, uh, some religious rites that you do, some sort of ceremony that you do. And, and they taught us, me and my siblings, they taught us that our faith, our, our, our Christian faith is something far deeper and far different than religion. No, indeed, there, there's a part of our, there's an aspect of our faith that is religious, but our faith goes way deeper than what religion is. But here, here when James is speaking of the word religion, it's a Greek word, threskaya. And it, its meaning is not so much religion, but as in worship, as in the sense of an outward expression of, of, of worship in, in, in ritual and liturgy and ceremony. Again, it's not so much as that, that, that word religion, but really it's a, he's talking about that outward expression, especially of Christian worship or of worship in, when it comes to a ceremony and ritual and, and liturgy. And many Christians, many of us, we love our religion. Oh, oh, we love, we love our religion. Again, elaborate, elaborate vestments and magnificent music and a carefully planned out and executed worship service. But James is saying the finest ritual and the finest liturgy that you can offer to God is service of the poor and personal purity. That's what he says. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Many have read this and said that this is, in some sense, 
two sides of the two sides of the coin. You have the you have a a, a, a social witness, and then you have a personal piety, as James says. Visiting the orphans and widows in their affliction on one hand, and our social witness in reaching out to the world, but then he also follows that up by saying, we must be continue to be un, keep, keep ourselves unstained from the world. And those two sides of that coin are so very important. The first side of the coin really is what I want us to focus upon just a bit this morning. It's absolutely possible. It is absolutely possible for a church to be so taken up with the beauty of its buildings and the splendor of its liturgy that it neither has the time nor the money for practical Christian service. Did you get that? It's possible that a church can be so enthralled with the beauty of its of its facility and the magnificence of its liturgy and worship that the church has neither the time nor the money for their Christian witness outside the four walls of that church. James is simply echoing what the prophets long ago taught. Psalm 68 said, God is father of the fatherless and protector of the widows. Zechariah proclaimed that the Lord demanded true justice and that, and that God's people are to show mercy and compassion to others, not to oppress the widow, the fatherless, the stranger, and the poor, and not to entertain evil thoughts against another person within their heart. Micah, Micah complained that all the ritual sacrifices were useless if a person did not do justice and kindness and walk humbly before the God. The Old Testament prophets knew what really was at the very heart of faith, and that was living out our faith, especially in caring for the least and the last and the lost. That's why James mentions orphans and widows. I think James, again, drills down when it, comes to, when it comes to understanding this faith lived out. Again, an inactive faith is not a real faith. It's not even faith at all. We've already taken a look at that. We're going we're to examine that later on in this series as well. An inactive faith is not faith at all. Did you hear me? An inactive faith. A faith that entails just simply doing religious stuff. A faith that entails simply attending a worship service. A faith that entails simply praying. A faith that entails simply reading the Bible. A faith that entails being very religious isn't faith at all. Faith. True faith that is acceptable by God is lived out in the flesh. Is lived out in the in the way that in, in, in the way that we that we care for the orphans and the widows of our world. So why does why does James select orphans and widows? Well, the orphans and widows in, in, in his day, to be honest, quite like our day, were people who had no one to care for them. No one to care for them. 
there wasn't a safety net in the Roman Empire. Women could not own property or really even hold down jobs. Only really there was only one job that they could hold down. Uh, and that was, as they say, the oldest profession in history. It was the only job that a woman could really have. And so they were absolutely on their own with no ability to care for themselves. And with no ability to care for themselves, someone must, someone had to walk alongside them and help care for them. Orphans and widows were truly the least and the last and the lost in that culture. And James, James says that if we are going to have true faith, faith that is pure and undefiled before God, it entails caring for orphans and widows. Why do you think? Why do you think we spend so much effort supporting our global missionaries? This, this is why we support our local missions as well. And this is why we've, we've taken in church after church after church to house them right here out of First Church. We've done that for years and years and years. Churches that were trying to get started, brand new churches, churches that had the very Spirit of God in them, they started right here out of our, out of our facility. This is why we went, down to, we, went, we went down to Packingtown in the 1930s and the, and the 1940s. We went down to Packingtown, and this church took Sunday school to kids who had their parents were working on Sunday mornings. This was a diverse group of children. Churches weren't doing that in the 1930s and the 1940s here in Oklahoma City, but this church did. This is why this church, for, for almost 30 years, for almost 30 years, went to Children's Hospital before it was known as Children's Hospital. Back in a day when the, when the polio epidemic had, 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 had ravaged children all around this country, when those children were literally locked in basements, Pictures were not taken of these children that had, that had experienced crippling diseases. It was this church, this church for 30 years took a Sunday school, had some Sunday school teachers that decided they were going to reach these young children, these children that were forgotten by our culture, these children that were pushed to the edges of society. And it's why we've continued to make a new commitment to our local missions. A Friday Night Alive ministry is not able to be held right now because of this pandemic and the, and the high-risk factors in our homeless population. And so we've, we've started reaching out in other ways. We've started reaching out to the, to the Exodus House here in Oklahoma City. The Exodus House is, a, is an apartment complex there are about 15 residents there in the Exodus house. These are, these are typically women who have, just been, who have just been released from incarceration. Many different reasons why they have been in jail, but they've just been released. And, and if you know much, you know that when someone gets out of prison or someone gets out of the county jail, they are given about, about $10, maybe $15, and they are given to the, the clothes that they wore in, into jail, and that's all they've got. And so what happens is that most of the time when people get out of jail, they have to rely upon the, the, 
their support system that they had originally. And you know who that support system is? It's the same people that got them into trouble and sent them into jail in the first place. And so the reincarceration rate in this country is sky high. But because of this ministry, because of this ministry just down, just down the road, because of this ministry and because of the six-month program that these women go through, because of the job training skills that they go through, because of the financial management skills that they go through, and because of, uh, because of uh, they, are, they are asked to connect with, their, with a faith community and begin to develop a, a different support system than what they had, the reincarceration rate of those who graduate from the Exodus house is less than 10%. Astounding. So this is why we do what we do. This is why. First Church, we give over 15% of our annual budget. We give it away. We just simply give it away. The money that you give to First Church, 15% of it, we just simply give it away. And that doesn't include the, uh, the ways that we as a church are engaged in other things, the way that uh, the, our staff members, we have staff members that do missions work. We have, we have I mean, we hope and pray that, that everything that we do at the, in the life of the church is designed to reach out. But there's 15% of the money that you give us, we just simply give it away. We give it away to those, uh, to those organizations that we have vetted. We give it away to those organizations that are making a difference around the world. We give it away to our missionaries. Our global missionaries, we give it away uh, and, and help support the Exodus House and Friday Night Alive and Monday Night Refuge and the Christ Experience. I mean, the, the list goes on and on and on and on. And so today is the day for us to turn in our faith promise card. The idea behind faith promises is really just simply asking the Lord what he would have you give. How, how, what, would, what would the Lord ask you to give to the mission ministry of First Church. Over and above your regular giving, many of us have already, already made commitments of what we're going to be giving this year, and we are giving that. But then we're asking that you would, you would commit to something above and beyond that. And you just simply ask the Lord, Lord, what, what would you have me give? How would you wish for me to engage in this reaching out and having a pure and undefiled faith? By reaching out and caring for orphans and widows, what, what, would that, what would that look like in my own life? And then you let the Lord lay that number on your heart, and then you just simply sit back and you trust the Lord to provide. Amy and I have put down numbers before that we had no idea how we were going to come up with that money, with kids in college and all kinds of all kinds of stuff car payments and house payments just like you <laughs> we have the same things just like you and we put down numbers that the Lord lays on our hearts and we we have no idea where that's gonna come from but since we've been here for the last three years God has just miraculously done it time and again time and again we don't even we I mean sometimes we even have to ask ourselves do, do we actually did, did we fulfill our commitments this year? We have no idea. And we go back and look and say, oh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we got that tax refund, or we, we, got, that, we got that little bit of extra money, or we got, you know, we got a little bit of extra Christmas money. We had no idea what to do with, and that's, that's where it went. So we would ask that you would in, 
well, we would simply invite you to pray with us this morning, not just about our faith promise, but instead how, how you can be engaged with First Church and having a pure and undefiled faith, doing all that we can to reach out to the least and the last and the lost. Would you bow with me? Oh, Lord, we thank you for your incredible love for us in Jesus Christ. Oh, Lord, we are all needy in your sight. As we saw last week, you, it appears as though, it appears as though you have a, you have a preference for the poor. We see it time and again in Scripture. And Lord, we consider ourselves poor in spirit, and you call us blessed. So Lord, on this day, we, we rely upon you. We rely upon you to empower us to reach out to orphans and widows, to reach out to the least and the last and the lost, to live out our faith in the flesh. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.